week we started a series. So if you weren't here last week, you may, uh, you're, you're jumping in about halfway through um, something we started talking about. Uh, and so we'll just try and catch you up to speed real quick, and uh, we'll move on from there this morning. So uh, I, last, last week we started talking about this idea of filters being in our life. That everywhere you go, all around you, there's filters. You've experienced them this morning, whether you were aware of them or not. If you had coffee this morning, you experienced a filter. Uh, but you maybe didn't think about that. You know, the, the breath you just took, you just experienced a filter. That air was filtered through our, um, through our furnace, our high-tech furnace downstairs. So, you know, that, that breath was filtered. You drove here this morning. You experienced a, a, a fuel filter, an oil filter, and a couple of air filters in your car. You probably weren't driving here going, oh, man, I'm so thankful that we have this filter in our car, honey. Isn't it the best? You know, it's helping us get there. You, you didn't think about that. You probably weren't saying, oh, I'm so glad it's protecting our, our car and protecting us. You, you just took it for granted that there was a, a filter there. And so that's what we talked about last week. We also talked about the fact that for a filter to remain effective, you got to change it regularly. And somebody last night thanked me and said, you know what? I realize I haven't checked the oil in my car. So um, if that's what you get from the message, well, good. But uh, there's probably deeper stuff than that as well. But they need to be changed regularly for it to be effective. And they're meant to protect you and other valuable things. It's what they're meant to do. But if you don't change them regularly, they become clogged and they actually can become the source of the problems in your life. They can become the source of issues. Uh, a couple of years ago um, at our house, our dishwasher wasn't working properly. The dishes we put in actually came out dirtier than when they went in. Uh, and so Beth was like, yeah, this isn't going to work anymore. You're going to have to wash them by hand because that's my job at home is doing the dishes. And I'm like, oh, that's not happening. You know, we're going to buy a new one. So I started Googling new dishwashers. I'm like, okay, that's a lot of money. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to repair it myself. And so I started digging into the guts of the dishwasher and Found out that the filter was a little dislodged, and I fixed the filter. Same problem. So then I thought, ah, you know, we'll dig a little deeper. Took more of it apart, and deep down inside, we found a popsicle stick, or the remains of a popsicle stick that was like kind of just chopped, half chopped up in the, the macerator thing or whatever. I think that's a word. Uh, it's, uh, it's like this, it's just the, the, the part that um, gets rid of all the gunk. But there was this popsicle stick, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't know how that got there, but pulled it out, replaced the filter, and it worked well for a while. I was like, you know, I, I thought at first, you know, maybe, maybe buying a new one's going to be the way to go. I had to buy two C-clamps, whatever I spent on that, a few bucks and a few hours of time. But what I realized is if I didn't do it then, it was going to cost me a whole lot more money and it was going to cost me a whole lot more time doing dishes by myself. And, and uh, the same thing is true for us. We all have filters in our life. Uh, and by, if you change them now, it saves you time and money. And that's, that's important for all the, the physical filters in our life. But last week, we talked about the fact that every one of us has a mental filter as well. You have a mental filter, and the same principles apply to that filter. We all have that filter in us. And last week, we talked about how that filter, it fools us, it forms us, it fails us. And if you uh, are wondering what that's all about, you're just going to have to check it out online. But here's the verse we looked at, Romans 12, too. It says this, don't be conformed to this world. Don't, don't be like the world around you, he says, but be transformed. He says, you know, like Mike's story, this is how I once was, but there's something, I'm not the same person I was. There's a transformation happening in his life. And Paul wrote that to the Romans, saying, hey, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Last week, we learned that that's by the renovating the way you think. A renovation takes time. It's not just instant, but it's this idea that we're, we're changing the way we think from one way to another. And those words were written by a man very familiar with being transformed and what that looks like. 
For those who are not familiar with this man's name, the author of those words was a man named um, Paul. Paul was uh, a guy who hated all things Jesus. When, uh, he, when he saw Jesus' death on the cross, that was a win for him and his, and his buddies. And then all of a sudden, these Jesus followers were like everywhere. They took care of the one guy, but now, now there's a whole bunch of others. And so Paul made it his mission to go a, wherever, wherever he had to go to wipe out these Jesus followers. If they claimed the name Jesus, they were either put in jail or they were killed, whatever he had to do. But it was on one of those journeys where he had an experience with Jesus. And Jesus revealed himself to Paul in such a way saying, hey, you're persecuting me. You know, the God of the universe, are you okay with that? He's like, no, I'm not okay with that. You know, I didn't realize it was you. And, and he says, yeah, it's me. And Paul is so convinced that Jesus is who he says he is that he turns his life around 100%. He's transformed. And it's one of the things that, that skeptics of the New Testament just really have a hard time with is something must have happened to this man that was so genuine that changed his life around. But what was it? Paul writes and saying, I met Jesus. And because of that, he goes around and he shares this message with people everywhere he went. And all kinds of other people are like, yeah, we want to follow Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. Like, he says, you can, here's how. And then he would leave. And they started wondering, you know, I wonder if they remember what I told them when I was there. So he began to write letters, letters to different towns, to the gatherings of Jesus followers. And he wrote these letters to a group of Jesus followers in a place called Ephesus, where he had been, real place, real people. And he writes and he sends them this letter. You may know it as the book of Ephesians. It was just a letter he wrote, maybe on a scroll, most likely. It's these words, Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 20. Um, there wasn't a 4 or a 17 to 20 back then. It was just, just a letter. That's to help you find it. So hopefully you take advantage of that and read along with us. Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, With the Lord's authority, I say this to you. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, because they're hopelessly confused. Their minds, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they've closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. You know, they, they don't, they're missing out on, on life, real life, with God because their, their minds are hardened. Their hearts are hardened. Their minds are, are hardened against him. He says they have no sense of shame in verse 19. They live their lives for lustful pleasure. They eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So he's writing, he says, hey, he writes a letter back to them. Don't, don't, don't live that way. He says that they're, they're confused in their mind. They, they don't understand. They definitely don't know the end result of the, of, the, of the life that they're living or the thoughts that they're thinking. And he says to them in verse 20, you didn't learn Christ that way. You didn't learn that about Christ. He says, when I, when I told you about Christ, it wasn't, it wasn't that. He says in verse 21, since you heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth, you've learned the truth that comes from him, he says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. It's corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, it says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and renew your attitudes. Let it renew the way that you think and put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. He's writing to them and saying, hey, you know, there's the short version of it is, you have an old one, put on a new one. That's basically what he's saying to them. You have an old one, put on a new one. And you can put different things in there. You have an old attitude, put on a new attitude. You have an old way of thinking, put on a new. You have an old nature, put on a new. You have an old filter, put in a new one. And so this morning, um, as I listened to Kevin Gerald's podcast on this, on this uh, topic of filters, he put it in three words. He just said these words, recognize, reject, and replace. Recognize, reject, replace. Will you say it with me? Recognize, reject, replace. Have you memorized it? Recognize. Recognize. Recognize that we all have a filter. 
reject it, and replace it. And so here's the thought this morning. We have old filters that we are completely unaware of. We all have an old filter that we may be completely unaware of. You're just doing life until something makes you realize that you have a filter in your life. I don't, it happens all the time. Like for us, last, uh, last summer, our air conditioner wasn't working very well. Uh, there was just like no air coming out. I thought, man, the fan must not be running. And I went down, the fan is running. I'm like, oh, no, we're going to have to buy a new AC. And I'm like, I thought, maybe I should check the filter. Sure enough, I checked the filter, and the filter was a C. It was like round from like the, sh- the, the, the shape of all the stuff getting stuck in it and the, the wind trying to push through it. It was just stuck. And I was like, I pulled it out, fixed. But I wasn't aware of that until I realized that the air wasn't moving through. And so there's things that make us aware of this fact that our filter needs to be changed. And it happens in different ways. Um, there's things that just, uh, just all of a sudden wake you up to something, to wake you up to the fact that you've got a filter. Uh, I don't know if you noticed around um, Haldeman County, there's all these new signs that blink. As you're driving by, they tell you stuff. It's like the speed limit's 50 and you're going this fast. That's making you aware of a filter. You know, as I was driving this week, I saw them. I was like, I'm going 68. I'm like, what? I'm looking around like, okay, that's me, you know? And, and today, uh, or on Thursday, I was late for something in Dunville. It was it said 88 in a 50. And I was like, <gasps> I had, you just don't think that. What's it revealing? It's revealing that in, in my life, there's a filter that 88 is 50 in my head. Because I thought I was doing okay till the blinking light came on and said, no, 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 this is what's really going on right now. They should have one on the 80s as well, uh, especially for me. But that's what I hope this morning is for you, that as God's word is like touching your heart, this blinking light goes off and says, hey, you think life is like this, but this is what's really going on. You think, you know, life is, is just sort of happening this way, but this is what's really going on. And so I want to look at a, at a story today with you. It's from the book of Judges. Uh, I learned last night that that is after Joshua, not Deuteronomy. So if you would uh, go with me to the book of Judges, uh, you may be familiar with the story, but it reveals it, uh, it and uh, gives a great example of the idea of, of having a filter change in your life like Paul was talking about with the Ephesians. Judges chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. I'm just going to read this for the background of it. It says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. It's in yellow. Remember that, okay? It's a test. The, uh, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And says, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Uh, that's a whole different topic. But the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in mountains and caves and strongholds. You picture that? It's pictured they're hiding out. It says, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. They would camp in their land. They would destroy the crops as far away as Gaza. And they left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys with them. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived in droves of camels, too numerous to count. They stayed until the land was stripped bare, and Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. And then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. It'd be like right now, all the farmers taking in their harvest, but you're not taking in your own. Someone else comes and takes it in the middle of the night and steals it. It's like everything you worked for, gone. If you saw the movie A Bug's Life way back in the day, it was one of my favorite movies. I'm pretty sure it was based on this scripture right here. You know, here the, the locusts come in and steal everything every single year. This was happening for seven years. Not a good time for them. And they cried out to the Lord for help. And here's, what, here's how the Lord answers, Judges 6 verse 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah. And uh, as a messenger of the Lord, it says, which it belonged to Joash, the, 
the clan of uh, Abizer, something like that. Anyways, Gideon, son of Joash, was uh, threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So here you got this guy hiding out in a wine press, and it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him and says, Mighty hero! Mighty hero! He's like, What? Who, me? He's like, he says, well, Who are you talking to? He's like, You down there, mighty hero, down in the bottom of the wine press. He's like, Shh! Stop telling, stop shouting it. Don't, don't let anybody know. I'm hiding down here to, to make sure that the Midianites don't find me. What do you, who are you calling mighty hero anyways? Do I look like a mighty hero to you? And he says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Here comes a message of what's true to Gideon, but it's not, it doesn't get through his filter. It's not able to get through the filter that's going on uh, in his mind, even though these things are true. Here's why. Verse 13, it says, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where's all the miracles uh, that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us, and he's handed us over to the Midianites. See, what you see from this moment is that Gideon, in this moment, is processing what's being said to him through a filter of God has abandoned us. He, he sees, he says, mighty hero. He's like, you know, God is with you. He's like, if God is with us, really, why is this happening? What is that? It's a filter. Because Gideon forgot to read verse 1. What did verse 1 say? The Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, and that is why. He's, his filter, he's filtering it through the thought of God has abandoned us, not the other way around where he's like, hey, we actually abandoned God. He's not... He sees everything through this filter of God has abandoned us. The Lord is not with us. And if he had been, we wouldn't be in this place. But the truth was they were believing a lie for seven years that God had abandoned them when it wasn't true. Where does that apply for us this morning? It's this thought, a faulty filter in our lives causes us to, to question God. If, if, you're, if you have these questions of God, why, God, why, there's a faulty filter going on in your, in, in your, um, in your mental filter. It's this, it's this thought of, you know, God, if he was with us, we, we shouldn't be in the place we're in. It's a filter. He says, you know, the, the faulty filter will also cause you to blame everybody else. Everyone else is the cause of the problems going on in your, in your life. This, uh, this week, my boys, um, they, my father-in-law is taking a container of uh, wheelchairs to the Philippines, and most of the wheelchairs are just old wheelchairs. But then every once in a while, these really high-tech ones come in, the ones with the joystick and, like, motorized. So the other day, I'm outside, and there's, there's my, my boys and a couple of their cousins, and they're all on these wheelchairs racing up and down the driveway. And I was like, man, what a great, like, time to be a kid, right? It's like, that's awesome. And so then I thought, wait, wait a second. Those are worth about 10 grand a piece. I better go make sure they're allowed to do this. And so I asked them, like, hey, guys, I don't think you should be doing that. Like, all of a sudden, Paca said we could. I was like, oh, well, Paca said you could. I guess you can. And so, so I thought, well, I'll get in on this. I hopped in the skids here. I was like, let's race. And so they're driving in front of me, and I'm racing behind them. And, and all of a sudden, they stop. And they're turning down the one drive, and they stop. And I pull up behind them, and he's like, the two wheelchairs in front of me, and they won't go. And I'm like, come on, let's go, because I actually have to go that way. And so they're not. And, and, and I was like, I look up, and I'm like, why aren't they going? Oh, there comes Paca walking down the driveway. And so I'm like, come on. And so they kind of drive a little bit, and he comes up, and he's like, you guys aren't supposed to be on those. I'm like, didn't you let them go on those? And he's like, no, of course not. They're worth $10,000 a piece. And I look at the boys. I'm like, did Paca say? And all of a sudden, you see their eyes. Like, and what's the first thing that happens? Max is right away. Finner told me. Finner's the one. 
it was Finner. It was Finner, Dad. I'm like, all right, Finner. You know, like, here he's, he's five. Like, did Paca say? Adrian told me. I'm like, Adrian? Well, of course it's my sister's kid, right? Uh, that makes perfect sense. Uh, but I'm like, you listened to, a, how was he, four? I'm like, he, you listened to him? But I saw this thing. What is it? It's this instant thing that we're just going to blame it down the road. All of them told me that Paca said. You know, they all blatantly lied. We're going to deal with that. But here's, here's this thing of this, the, the filter on the inside. I've just got to pass it. It's somebody else's fault. Here's the, the message of the Lord to, to Gideon. Mighty hero. Mighty hero. He says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. What is he doing? He's trying to change Gideon's filter. Verse 14 says, when the Lord turned to him and said, Gideon, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. He's like, I'm trying to change your filter. He's like, you're a mighty hero. I'm with you. Those are true. I'm also sending you. Go rescue Israel with the strength you have. And he's like, here's what happens. The filter kicks in. He's like, but... But, 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 Lord, but wait, but, but hold on. How? How can I do this? He's like, I just told you. I'm with you. I'm sending you. Go with the strength that you already have. But, 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 how, how, how? I, I can't do this. The filter kicks in. And what all of a sudden happens? The filter begins talking again and says, I'm the weakest. I'm from the weakest clan. Don't you realize? I'm, I'm the least of that clan. What is that? It's the filter on the inside that begins talking to him, but how? I'm weak. I'm the least. I can't do it. How does stuff like that get into our filters? I'll tell you a few ways it gets in. Family says it. Family says it. It's the stuff that you kind of grew up with, and that's what you believe. My family said it, so it must be true. His family was telling him, you're the weakest, you're the least, and he just believes, I'm the weakest, I'm the least. I can never be mighty hero. I'm the weakest, I'm the least. I remember being in Curacao. I think Harry was with me on that trip. We went to Curacao, and there was uh, it's a beautiful island. Um, we were there on a missions trip, and we uh, went to the beach to go swimming. It's like paradise. And we took this uh, young gal with us. Well, she was 18, and we all were swimming there, and she'd only go up to her waist in the water. And so we, we'd ask her, like, come on, come swimming. She's like, no, 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 no. She wouldn't, she wouldn't go. And we're like, why won't you come swimming? She's like, my mom has told me I can only go up to my waist because if I go past it, I'm going to drown. We're like, you're 18. Like, look at all the people who've gone past their waist. Like, this is the most amazing thing. And we're like, have you ever gone swimming before? Never. 18 years living in paradise, never going swimming in the ocean. Why? Because of fear in the filter. Fear in the filter. Things that are not true. You're not, just because you go past your waist doesn't mean you're guaranteed to drown. But mom said it. What have your parents, what have your family said? Things that hang out in the filter. What are, maybe it's stuff your teacher said. I remember back in the day, I, I didn't play well with other children when I was young. I know, big surprise. But uh, I, I, uh, throughout, my, throughout the years that I was actually in school, uh, I would be picked on at recess all the time. So every day, the kids thought it was pretty fun to see a grade six or cry. And so I would oblige them every single recess. And then I would go inside, and my teacher would sit me down and be like, Mark, not again. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, finally, after weeks of this, he, uh, he says to me, he says, Mark, if you don't change uh, when you grow up, you're just going to become a burden on society. And I'm like, why grow up? And something happened in there. Something got in the filter. I began, began, came to the place where I didn't, I didn't really want to live anymore. I had suicidal thoughts after that. I was like, what's the point of, of growing up? Why? I, I guess it wasn't true. I don't think I'm a burden on society. But what was that? It's this, it's this um, discouragement in the filter. 
Those words, it's powerful what those words do. Maybe it's a professor who told you, you know, as you went to university, uh, and it's the professor who says, hey, the Bible, it's just a myth. You know, Noah's, Noah's Ark, that, 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 that didn't happen. You know, and they, they begin to put these things, they begin to put doubt in the filter, and pretty soon you're like, I don't know if the Bible's true. Man, how many times do we lose people from the church as they go to university? Why? Because they didn't realize they need to clean out the filter. That all the stuff that they hear and they think, oh, the professor said it must be true, gets lodged in the filter and causes and affects their lives. Maybe it's peers who said it. You know, society says it. It's on the internet. It must be true. We were at the Ravi Zacharias the other night, and he just, they were talking about the, this thing of identity and how our society and how our world wants to tie what we do and what we think to be our identity, to be who we are. The truth is that your sexual orientation, you know, the, the, whatever your sexual attraction is, that's not who you are. That's not identity. That's, that's something that, you may, that, you may, that may affect your mind, but it doesn't, it doesn't define who you are. And they want to say, oh, no, that's, that's your identity. That's who you are. That's, that's just the way things are. And so things begin to be put into the filter. For those who struggle with addiction, it's this thought, if you struggle with an addiction, that's who you are. If you struggle with alcoholism, you're an alcoholic for the rest of your life. You may struggle with alcohol temptation, but your identity is not alcoholic. I remember seeing in some of the others where it says, hey, my identity is I'm a child of God, but my struggle is with, insert whatever blank you want. My identity is not what I've done. Your past fails don't make you a failure. That's not your identity. And it's these things that get lodged in the filter because what happens is if the enemy can say, you failed, now you're a failure, you're just gonna live like a failure for the rest of time. Gideon's got the thing in his filter. Here I am, this is, this is just who I am. I'm the least, I'm nothing, I can't do anything. And God's like, you're a mighty warrior. I'm not really. Why? It's in the filter. It's in the filter. You know, there's things where some of that stuff just puts confusion in the filter. And sometimes it's the voice inside that lodges things in our own filter. You ever hear that voice? The voice inside that sounds like you. It just says, you know, you're no good. You're not worth it. Nobody loves you. Everything you do fails. What is that? Your self-image comes from your own filter. You know, and, and here's where it happened. We all struggle with it. It's a thing called sin nature. Genesis tells the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and uh, as, as Adam and Eve believed the lie, they began to think differently about themselves and it, it says that uh, God came looking for Adam, walking with him in the garden. And he's like, hey, Adam, hey, Adam. And Adam's hiding. He's like, oh, this is weird. You know, the first game of hide and seek. He's like, Adam, where are you? He knows. He's like, Adam, where are you? And here's Adam's response. Genesis chapter 3, powerful thought, verse 10. It'll be there. There he says, so he replied, Adam replied. He says, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. He said, I was afraid because I was naked. And here's what God says to him. Who told you that you were naked? Adam, who told you that you were naked? He says, uh, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? He's like, who told you? He says, last time I came here to walk with you, you were naked, but you didn't know. You didn't say anything. Who told you that you were naked? And the truth is, no one told him. The serpent didn't tell him. Eve didn't tell him. God didn't tell him. What told him? So he opened up the box to the, the idea of a sin nature, opened the door to sin nature in him. That began speaking to him, and it speaks to every single one of us. It's that voice that's always trying to bring you down. It's always the one trying to, tell, to get you to focus on things that are negative, and you're born with it. And it's just a thought this morning that we need to recognize that filter. As Paul said to the Ephesians, you have an old one. You have an old sin nature, and it's always talking. It's always going. That conversation's always going in your head. 
but you got to put on a new one. See, we're so quick to focus on the negative and then, and then disqualify the positive. They're doing research uh, study just recently with children, and they, they learned that as they watch children interact with one another, that they would do this thing over and over. They would overqualify things that were negative in their life and focus on those, and they would disqualify things that were positive. And I began to see in my own kids, my own kids, like you, you tell them, you know, hey, you have to, this morning, you have to wear those clothes to church. No, you hate me. I'm like, where are these clothes to church and you hate me? How do those two go together? Because, because we don't seem to agree on one thing. It's like, wow, the, he, he must hate me. That's a, that's a, that's a reach, but that's the, the, the thoughts of how things go um, uh, in their heads. You know, uh, I talked to my kids the other night. Oh, it's the worst day in the world. I'm like, man, you got to do all kinds of awesome things. And at the end, it's like, what makes it the worst day? Because I cut my finger. I'm like, I know, but you got to play in the hay mow. You were riding wheelchairs. You were doing all this awesome stuff. And he says, and then, you know, but the whole day is ruined because of this little cut in the finger. Do kids like that? And then they said what would happen is they would disqualify the positive. These kids would overqualify negative, disqualify the positive. You know, nobody wants to play with me. And then finally at recess, someone's like, hey, you want to play with us? Yeah, he probably thinks that, like, that, I, that, that, that he feels sorry for me. That's why. Or his mom probably is making him play with me. And they begin, to, they begin to disqualify the positive things in their life. And guess what? Those kids grow up. And maybe those kids are sitting in this room today. I know when I heard this as I was looking through something, I'm like, man, some of that affects me. This week I was refing a, a girls' soccer tournament. Um, Christian school tournament in Dunville, uh, and uh, as, we're th- as we're going through this, um, there's one game where, where I missed a call, and I'm like, oh man, I missed that call. Probably should have called. I'm like, it's going to be okay. At the end of the game, it wasn't okay. The coaches came to tell me, it's like, hey, um, just one question. What, what happened with that, that call where that person blocked the ball? It was like, ain't really obvious to everyone that you didn't call it? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, pro- I probably should have called that. I'm like, you should have, because it would have changed the game. We actually probably could have been into the, into the playoffs if you had made that call. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. And, and they left. I was like, then I ran right away, tried to find out, could they have made it if they had scored it? And we're trying to go through all the things. You know what's the weirdest thing, though? At the end of the day, after refing six games, making all kinds of great calls and whatever, making sure everybody was more than happy, what do I leave that day with? Ugh messed up that one call. I possibly ruined these girls' lives. Some of them are not going to join the Canadian soccer team now simply because that one ref, they're going to they're gonna preach about me someday, right? It's being the guy who missed that call. What is that? The filter. It's the filter. It's the thing who told you that. It's like it gets stuck in there. The, the truth can't get through because we focus on these things. And it's just making us realize there's a filter. So back to Gideon. Gideon, he comes up to him and says, mighty hero. I want you to realize you're a mighty hero with a bad filter. You are a mighty hero, but you got a bad filter. Judges 6 verse 16 says, the Lord said to him, Gideon, go and fight. He said, I will be with you. Truth. Ha, you're a mighty hero. I'm with you. I'm sending you. I'll be with you. God gave Gideon everything he needed for the assignment that he had on his life, and God's done the same for you. And it's not because of the story of Gideon. You can't read the Old Testament and go, well, if Gideon did it, so can I. That's a bad way to read the Bible. That's not, just because it wrote to Gideon doesn't mean, hey, you know what? I've given you authority. Go attack Cayuga this afternoon. I'll give it into your hands. 
I know it's funny, but a lot of times we do that and we begin believing things about God because we, we read into the context wrongly. But, but you can read into it rightly when a person like Peter writes to Jesus' followers and says, hey, if you're a Jesus follower, here's what I'm telling to you. We learned this at VBS this, this year. By his divine power, 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God's given us everything we need for living a godly life. He's already given us everything we need. I don't feel like I can. <laughs> you can because I'm with you. He says he's given you everything you need for, for life and godliness. We've received it all uh, uh, by coming and know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Gideon was living stuck. He's weak. He's powerless. He's making wrong assumptions about God. He's waiting for God to do something, and God was trying to get him to change his filter because he realized once you change your filter, Gideon, you're going to do what you've actually been able to do this whole time, and you just didn't realize it. He says, I just want you to have a fresh, faith-filled, God-trusting filter in there it's not denying the obstacles. It's not denying that there's trouble. He's saying the same for you. It's not denying that you're going through difficult times. It's not denying that there's, there's pain and, and difficult things around you. But it's this, that the troubles of this life do not diminish the goodness of God. That the troubles of this life do not diminish the goodness of God. I'll leave that up there. Life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. He's like, Gideon, I want you to think this. Life is hard, but, but I'm good. And I'm with you, and I'm sending you. My father-in-law, um, he's just, you know, I live with them right now. And when you live with people, you get to know what they're really like. <laughs> Both ways. But I've watched him, and I, I watched something I, I saw a few weeks ago. He got a phone call that was pretty difficult to hear. Some things that he's been working for for 10 years are about to be, like, just, just taken away from him. A, a friend backstabbing him. Uh, just a really, really rotten situation. And so I watched him sit at, the, sit at the table the next morning at breakfast. And we're all kind of like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? He's like, you know what? God knows. It's no surprise to him. He says, let's just pray for this guy. You know what? He needs to, he needs to understand that, you know, God's just to open his heart to what God wants to do in his life. I'm like, there's a whole lot of money he's just stealing from you. Yeah, I know. But you know what? God knows. I'm like, what is that? That's a filter. He went to the doctor this week, and they said, yeah, both your hips need to be replaced. How are you even walking? And all of us are like looking at him like, what? Because we had no idea that that was the case. Because even in spite of pain, he always walks around with this thing of God's good. I can still walk. I'm still good. What is it? That's a filter. I'm like, I hope by living there long enough, it's going to rub off on me. He's hoping that it rubs off sooner, and I move out sooner. But <laughs> I, want, I want that kind of filter in my life. It's a filter. It's a filter. You know, it didn't happen for Gideon instantly, and it won't happen for you. This morning, maybe you're like, ah, oh, I recognize. Yeah, there's some of those filters in my life. Last night, we had some people come up and say, you know, Mark, that's what I've been, I've been believing lies like that for the last 30 years. This one lady said, my whole, my whole marriage, my husband just kept telling me I was a, a, a fat, ugly whore. And she says, and it still sticks there sometimes. See, we know that there's stuff out there that's been thrown in the filter, and he's saying, you know what? That does not need to define you. He says, you got an old filter, but you can change it. And here's the last thoughts, and they're shorter. Reject, replace. Recognize if you have them, but then reject and replace. It's a, it's a two-part process. It's not just, okay, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to reject that. It's replace it with something else. Like for myself, if I had opened that dishwasher, took out the popsicle stick and said, ah, so you're the problem. All right, go back into your spot and put you back. You'd be like, you're a fool. This morning as we talk about this and you realize, ah, that's in the filter. The worst thing we do is like, okay, I'm just going to leave it there. It's saying, you know what, I'm not going to think that way anymore. 
I realize that, that's, that's, that there's something in my filter, that I, the lies that I've been believing, I don't want them there anymore. My neighbor uh, back in the day lived in a semi, and he loved our lawn, his half and my half. He would weed his half meticulously and then come over to my house, knock on the door and say, hi, I was just by your house. He said, I counted um, 200, 200 baby crab weeds in your, in your lawn. You need to come out and pick them. I'm like, I have a job, right? I'm like, I'm working. Just because I'm at home doesn't mean I'm, I have time to pull weeds. And I'm like, and he's like, I said, and they're just going to come back. He's like, no, they're not. You pull the weeds and you plant seeds, they won't come back. I'm like, he told me this. He's like, you remember. He's like, if you forget everything, remember. Pull the weeds, plant the seeds. Pull the weeds, plant the seeds. Let's say it together. I'm like, no, I'll see you later. Right? And, um, but he, he would say, pull the weeds, plant the seeds. I'm like, well, how do you even know that's going to work? He said, I used to work for a golf course, and this is exactly what we would do. He said, we'd pull weeds, but we'd overseed. And pretty soon, there's so much seed, it just chokes out all the weeds, and you, you don't need to worry about it. It's the same thing with this. He says, you got all those lies in your filter? He's like, pull them out, but replace them. And Paul wrote it this way to the Philippians. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, he was just telling them, don't be anxious. Don't let anxiety and all this fear sit in your filter. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, instead, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Set your mind on things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. If there's anything praiseworthy or excellent, think on these things. It's what he's saying. This is what I want you to do. And as a kid, I memorized this verse. Can I tell you something? Memorizing it's not good enough. You can just go and say, oh, I memorized Philippians 4. I'll just quote that. He's like, I don't want you to quote it. I want you to do it. This week, I laid in my, with my son. He was having trouble going to sleep. He has difficulty with some of the thoughts in his mind. And we sat down. And I said, son, I said, let's, let's just talk about this. What, what are some things that are good? Nothing. Okay? What are some things that are lovely? I don't know. I'm like, flowers are lovely. Dad, I'm like, boy. I'm like, okay, what do you think is lovely? What would be lovely to you? He's like, bacon and eggs. I'm like, let's start there, right? Let's, let's talk about things that are, what are we doing? We're beginning to set his mind on things that are different. And as he does, it's amazing how the old thoughts of just fear and terror and whatever replace to him going to sleep dreaming of bacon and eggs. What is it for you? What is it for you? Get stuff in the filter? You got things going on in the inside? How's the story end for Gideon? Because I believe it paints a picture of how it can end for us. Judges chapter 7, verse 9. Let's finish with these verses. This is that night. The Lord said, get up. Get up, Gideon. Um, go down to the Midianite camp, for I've given you victory over them. You know, Gideon, it was crazy. When God had said to him, hey, this is what I want you to do. You can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. Gideon actually just didn't trust him right away. He's like, God, I need a sign. Okay, God gives him a sign. You can trust me. I need another one. Okay, you can trust me. I need another one. You read the story. Three signs. Like, okay, God, I'll trust you, and I'm going to call four of my buddies to bring all their friends to come fight with us. And God's like, no, you can trust me. Yeah, but I already called them, and their 32,000 came to fight. And it's 32,000 versus a few million, but he says, okay, God and 32,000. And, and God says, I'm Gideon. He says, this is not how it's going to go. You go tell all those guys, any of those mighty warriors that are scared, they got to go home. Gideon's like, none of them are scared. I'll go tell them. Hey, fellas, the Lord said, if you're, even a, if you're scared, if you're wussy, if you're not man enough, you can go home. And 22,000 said, thank you. And they went home. <laughs> he's like, what? Now he's left with 10,000. He's like, okay, God, you know, me, you, me, and 10,000. I mean, like, I, I, and God's like, no, that's too many. He's like, what do you mean too many? There's a million, 10,000. He's like, I told you you can trust me, and you already have the strength you need. It's the strength you have. He's like, I don't know. And so he says, you know what? Go watch them drink out of the creek. See the ones that drink a certain way. Send all the rest home. He's like, okay. And he's counting at the end. He ends up with 300. The original 300. Here, here Gideon is. He's like, okay, God. 
<laughs> I have to trust you now, but I'm going to trust you. And so here's what it says. The night after where the Lord said there's only 300, he says, get up, go down to the Midianite camp. I've given you victory over them. But if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you'll be greatly encouraged. And I'm thinking, if I heard God talk to me and say, hey, Mark, this is what it's going to be, and you've heard this morning the word of the Lord to you, God wants you to hear it so badly that even forgetting, he's like, hey, listen, I'm telling you this is the God of the whole universe, but if you don't trust that, just go listen to the camp. Go listen to the enemy. Listen to what he's saying. Like, that just seems like bad advice. But Gideon, it says he goes. He says he goes, and so Gideon and Pura went down to the edge of the enemy camp. Now, just picture this in your, in your mind's eye. In verse 12, it says, The armies of Midian and Amalek and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore. God's like, Gideon, just go there. You'll be real encouraged. He goes, and he looks, and he's like, Ah, there's millions of them, too many to count. It's nighttime. So Gideon creeps, um, creep, creeps up to a tent, just as a man is telling his companion about a dream. The man says, and Gideon overhears, I had this dream. In my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent. It turned it over, and it knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. Can you picture this stuff? Really, I mean, I read that, I'm like, that is like, wow. And yet, here's Gideon listening in, and he hears it enough, and he hears it enough, and he hears it enough, and all of a sudden, the filter changes. The filter changes. All of a sudden, truth got through. Truth got through. And it says, here's what happens. It says, Verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and his interpretation, he bowed and worshiped before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and he shouted, get up, get up, fellas, wake up. The Lord's given us victory over the Midianite hordes. Same guy, new filter. Same guy, new filter. My hope this morning is that same person who came here leaves with a new filter. Judges chapter seven, verse 17, here's how it ends. He says to them, this guy who didn't want to lead, the guy who's hiding out in the wine press, the guy who's like mighty heroes, that's somebody else. All of a sudden he walks in, he's like, listen up, fellas, Time to get up. We're going to fight. He says, watch me. Watch me. Follow me. And they're like, what? Who's it? What? Gideon, what? They're like, yeah, I'm the leader. He says, follow me. Do exactly as I do. And he goes out. They attack this thing. They don't even have to attack. And it says in verse 21, that each man stood his position around the camp, and they watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. Same guy, new filter. And what I want to share with you this morning is this. Don't underestimate. Don't underestimate the effects of what can happen in your life and the life of others simply by having a fresh filter. Simply by saying, you know what? Yeah, maybe I prayed and he didn't answer the prayers the way I thought. And the enemy wants to put doubt and that God doesn't care into my filter. But I'm not living that way. God, I trust that you're good. That maybe the last time I went through some of this stuff, it was difficult. But God, I trust that you are good. So what about you? What about you? Do you have anything in the filter this morning that he's revealing? Well, let me leave you with the verses that we started with. Ephesians chapter 4.20. It's not what you learned about Christ. That's not what you learned. Those things that are affecting your life, that's not what you learned about following Christ. Since you've heard the truth, since you've heard the truth, since you've heard the truth, throw off the old sinful nature, the former way of life, the former way of thinking. It's corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, instead, let Holy Spirit renew your mind. Let him renew your attitude. Let him renew your thoughts. How does it happen? Get in his word. Get in his word, allow the truth to change what's going on in here so that it changes what's going on out here. Can we pray?
Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that as old as these texts are, that they are just life-changing still today. Thank you that they have power to, to cut right down to the deepest part of us, to reveal what's really going on inside. Thank you for doing it in my life, Lord, and for revealing lies that I've believed and replacing them with your truth. Thank you for the life that, that I've had as a result. God, I pray for every person in this place. We all have these filters. God, help us to recognize them, to change them, to allow your truth to remain in there, that our lives might be completely changed. Thank you for this Mike's story today and what you're doing in his life. Thank you for transformation in a life. God, we just believe that for more, for more and for more of those around here as they hear this truth and take it with them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that as we leave today, we don't leave you here, that you're with us, that you are with us each and every day as we live this life with you. It's in your awesome name I pray. Amen.